Welcome back, everyone, to the Center for Congregations podcast. I am Matt Burke, and with me is my co-host, Abby Miller. Hey, Abby. Hey, hey, hey. Abby, are you tired? Always. I have a (laughs) one-year-old. That's a silly question. (laughs) That'll do it. Yeah. Why do you ask? Um, Well, even with a 14 and 11-year-old, I am also tired, Mm -hmm. and I am tempted to start going on about those trials and travails, but we will spare the listener. <laughs> uh, chances the are they already is... know about all of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Uh, but the reason I ask is because that's what essentially this episode is about. It's about rest and the rhythms of rest in our busy culture. So I'm just curious, in your work with congregations, how does this topic of uh, whether it's busyness, tiredness, rest, Sabbath, how does that present itself? I think one of the prominent ways it shows up in congregations is that in, within the volunteers and the congregants, uh, you're seeing uh, a fatigue, a tiredness. And so, and that shows up at the church. And the, the fact that our programs, the things we have going on at our church, it takes volunteers, it takes congregants. And so, um, so those congregants may not be showing up as they once were. Those volunteers Mm -hmm. may not be volunteering quite as much because honestly, they're just tired. And so I hear that a lot. It's like, you know, we're having a hard time getting volunteers. And honestly, it's, it's that they're tired. They're maxed out Mm -hmm. on all the other things that they're doing in their life. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Uh, I think it, it shows up a lot. I shouldn't say a lot, but it, it's shown up often enough when congregations reach out to talk with me. Uh, it's often about sabbatical. So mm. finding that that break for the, the clergy leader to be able to take some time away, uh, or it may show up in just in conversations, maybe not them asking for help, but in conversations about how, how tired the the clergy person or the 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 paid staff are but i think yeah that idea of of the congregation in general can kind of fly under the radar and i think this is such an important topic in our post covid world because so many people the the stress of what we've been through over the last 3 or 4 years has ha, has really crept up on us and is still causing issues mm-hmm. so i think paying attention to all aspects in a congregational system. And you're right to point out that so many volunteers, they're probably working a full-time job and they're volunteering with the congregation in some way, shape, or form, and -hmm. potentially have a family as well Mm -hmm. (laughs) that they need to take care of and have other life uh, circumstances or issues that they need to deal with. Um, One congregation in particular that I really appreciated, they reached out to us and they, they, it's a pretty large congregation with a pretty large staff, but one of their main asks was, we want to be able to spend a year working with our staff around rhythms of rest. And so they brought in um, consultants to, to help work with them, to help figure out those rhythms, because they recognized that they would not be as effective if they're working out of stress, uh, as opposed to working out of some kind of, um, some kind of restfulness. And I think it's interesting because we rarely think that we have to learn how to rest. We think that that mm-hmm. is something that should just come naturally because we're humans and we 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 work and then we rest. It seems like a simple concept, but sometimes we need to go deeper and figure out what does it mean to rest. And uh, it's it's not as intuitive as we think it is in this culture in this day and age. 
Yeah, it's basically like as soon as you clock out of work, well, that's rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> and that's maybe the basic mindset, but it's that's so far from the truth because we have home maintenance, car maintenance, kids, groceries, cooking, you know, and those mm-hmm. things, while some people may find some of those things restful or, or replenishing, uh, for others, they're just more tasks to be done. Mm-hmm. And, and, and another dynamic is, well, um, I'm not working and I'm just uh, binging Netflix. And there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with watching Netflix. Um, but that may not be the rest that your soul needs. It may need some creativity. It may need, your body might need to get up and run. And so sometimes there are other dynamics that we need to learn about to figure out what does rest look like for us? What really rejuvenates our body, soul, and spirit? Yeah, and that brings us to our guest for this episode, which is right in uh, Abby and I's own backyard here in Northeast Indiana, out of Albion, Indiana. There's an organization called Run Hard, Rest Well. And we had a conversation with Brenda Jank, the founder and CEO of that organization, who um, it's, it's, you'll probably hear it in the conversation that we have, but she really is someone I think that embodies these practices because you can kind of hear in her spirit that there's just a sense of, of coming to the table out of a place of restfulness. And I really appreciate that just about her presence. Uh, But we also just really appreciate what she has to say. And she's been, you'll hear, she talks about the origins of this work, that it's been something that she's been doing for quite some time. Let's jump into the interview, Matt. All right, everybody, welcome back. We are here with Brenda Jank, who is the founder and CEO of Run Hard, Rest Well. Brenda, we're so thankful to have you here today. Ah, it's a joy. And uh, Brenda, so as we move into this conversation, I know that that rest and rhythms of rest are are really passion are is are a passion of yours, and uh, so I just kind of want to start at the beginning of um, as as faith leaders, and you know it's primarily faith leaders who listen to this podcast. Uh, you know whether it be clergy leaders or lay leaders, um, how are we missing out on true rest? What are the ways that society or just our rhythms, current rhythms, are preventing us from finding that true rest? Man. I think a beginning point for that question is the fact that we are not asking ourselves the right questions. Mm. Um, I think question number one is not being afraid to ask, um, is my team, my family, my, my group of friends, are we tired and are we tired of being tired? (laughs) Mm. Am I tired? Um, and, and following that is, um, we serve, um, the author of rest. And so the second question is why in the world as those who serve the author of rest, who says, come to me, all who are weary and I will give you rest. Why are we more tired possibly than anyone else on the planet? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so with that, um, I think we need a working definition of rest. You know, rest is kind of a vague concept. Um, It's kind of wishy-washy. It's kind of reserved Mm -hmm. for the lazy or those without passion. Um, Mm. And the truth is, is that rest is the very first thing that God called holy. Genesis 2, 3. And God blessed the Sabbath day and called it holy. He declared it holy um, because on it he stopped working and he rested. And so in my journey, which began about 32 years ago, I really needed a definition of rest. Um, And what surfaced was rest is not a reward. Um, I thought you had to earn it. Um, We really don't deserve it. It will never be convenient. It's a rhythm ordained by God and a responsibility 
for those committed to God's best. Hmm. Um, and, and then I realized that better than any definition that I have, that God has a definition. And it comes from Exodus 23, verse 12. Do your work for six days and on the seventh day rest so that all may be refreshed. <laughs> and so the idea of resting well is really about being refreshed, of recognizing our bucket is empty and um, giving God time and space so that he can um, refill it. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Well, I'm going to... I'm going to ask you a question because I'm someone who needs practicals. (laughs) And uh, as, as you talk, I'm like, I know there have been days where I've started and I'm like, I'm going Mm. to rest today. And then I see the project that has been waiting for me. And I'm like, oh, I'll just Mm -hmm. do a little bit of that. Um, And so in all honesty, there's been seasons where I don't know what rest looks like. So tell me, um, I know you've given us a beautiful definition, but kind of give us some shape to what rest could look like in our lives. That's absolutely critical. Um, We are passionate at Run Hard Rest Well to make it compelling, accessible, practical, so that it can be transformative. Practical, the how, you know, we know the why, the how, how do we make this? And so we understand rest in four strategic stops, four restorative rhythms that we see in scripture. And the first two we see in the story of creation. Um, From the get-go, God initiated um, sleep and a strategic weekly stop that later on we now call Sabbath. And um, so sleep and Sabbath, and then, and we see those throughout scripture. In addition to that, there's two other rhythms. Um, we call it um, stillness. Be still and know that I am God. And that's kind of, a, it's personal prayer. I think many times as leaders, we're, we're passionate about study, but sometimes we miss out on actually just enjoying the presence um, of our heavenly father. And so personal prayer um, and also um, personal retreat and we call that solitude. And we break solitude, it's not just about going to a retreat center, but we break it down to minutes and hours. It's about stepping away from the fray because minutes matter, hours make a difference, a day away delivers. And so it's exploring these strategic stops in our 24 seven world, which has us spinning, which has our bodies releasing stress hormones like cortisol. God knew from the get go that And he built in these invitations um, and requirements to stop and rest because he's designed our bodies that when we stop and do things that are life-giving, fun, refreshing, not just a matter of escape, we're really good at escape. We know, you know, screens are our number one escape, but to do things that actually Mm -hmm. um, allow our bodies to release the calming restorative hormones that counteract the damage of the cortisol and the other stress hormones that truly become life-giving and life-changing. And so whether now or or in a minute, we actually have definitions that are kind of life-giving for these four rhythms, sleep, Sabbath, stillness, and solitude. Um, But we help people explore those. And there's no cookie cutter. Um, All of us are refreshed in different ways. For some of us, the most restful Mm -hmm. thing we could do is a five-mile run. 
for some people, it's a good book mm -hmm. and a rocking chair or a walk, um, you know, in this gorgeous, beautiful um, world that God has made or lunch with a friend or making your favorite meal, shooting some hoops. There's no right way or wrong way. So God was brilliant, when, especially when it comes to Sabbath. He just said, stop. <laughs> stop doing what consumes your time, energy, resources, and do something that is refreshing. And so it's been wrestling. My life journey has been wrestling with what does it mean to rest well? Because personally, and as a ministry, as an organization, we are passionate about people running hard. We have important work to be doing, and we need to be doing it in God's strength, not in ours. And we're... You know, we're high capacity people. We can make things happen. But there's a mystery and a miracle when we are willing to, to, yeah, to give God truly the ordering of our days to strategic stops so he can refill, um, refuel for a work that only he can do. Yeah, I want to go back to something that you mentioned earlier, uh, because it really hit me in, in a way that I think about rest and relaxation. As you said, you said you can't earn it. And yeah. so that seems so counter to mm. how we view it, because mm -hmm. for me, I don't feel like I can rest unless I've actually worked hard and, and justify yeah. the time, the downtime or the time off. Yeah. Yeah. And, but it sounds like you're, you're saying that's backwards. So I'm curious as to, I'm curious to hear more about that. Matt, I so share, I mean, I literally believed, you know, in the Genesis account, it says God finished his work. And so when I was when I was in my early 20s, working at a church in an urban setting, working crazy hours, not sleeping, I believed I didn't earn it, that I, I never, my to-do list, I believed I had to cross off everything on my to-do list. And then when I finished my work, I could rest. And that was literally killing, killing me <laughs> in all ways. I, um, I don't, I, I need to, to remember who coined the phrase that we want to, um, work from our rest, not rest from our work. But it was such a wake-up mm -hmm. call when I realized that God worked and then rested, but Adam and Eve, their first day of life, they rested. And from their rest, they then moved into their garden work. <laughs> um, and, and then God adds this great big exclamation point in how he understands the ordering of our days. As Western folks, you know, we our new day starts, um, with sunrise, with with work, and we'll rest if it yeah we ever get to that point, which we usually don't. Um, mm. The Hebrew day begins at sunset. That the new day begins with ah that 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 long sigh, that that evening with people we love, with sleep, and then from this place of rest and a full bucket, we move into our day, and that's totally countercultural. And that has played a, a significant role in uh, reshaping my heart and my attitudes toward resting well. That, that is really cool. I had never, I had never thought about um, the Jewish day in that way before. And that's, that's just a, a it, it's so amazing how cultural anomalies were just like, yeah, that's, that's different, but, but the, there's so much meaning in it and so much to take away from that. That's really, really cool. Yeah, there really is. There really is. Yeah. So I'm curious, what are the, some of the things that are hurdles to um, leaders actually taking time for rest? So there's, there's two things um, that we are so often distracted by the good 
um, we are passionate people and we, we do a lot of good. Mm-hmm. But in that, I, thought, I, I believe we so often miss the best of what God wants to do in us personally, transformatively, and through us. And that requires strategic pauses to listen well. Mm-hmm. Restorative wellness mm-hmm. um, helps us rest relationally. And that's a, a Sabbath rest. Sabbath relationally reconnects us. It helps us rest physically. We really are passionate about sleep. Sleep is like the, the um, superhero of reducing cortisol overload in our life. We need to rest spiritually, mm-hmm. be still and know that I am God. And we need to rest emotionally. And that's learning how to hit pause in minutes, hours, and, and days to strategically refill in ways that really refresh us. And so what those four rhythms do for us is, number one, they help us reduce cortisol overload. Stress and hard work is actually not killing us. It's the cortisol overload. It's the 24-7 go, go, go. Hmm. Um, But number two, as believers, it helps us prioritize our relationship with Jesus. Because when I am living Mm -hmm. in the whirlwind and running at an unsustainable pace, my time with Jesus (laughs) face-to-face goes flying out the window. I spend more time mm-hmm. talking about Jesus than ever spe- talking to him. <laughs> and if we want to be empowered, if to, to do the work that's called is going to be beyond. And so these rhythms help us prioritize our relationship with Jesus um, so that the good doesn't distract us from the best. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Why we got into faith work in the right. first place, Right. 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 Um, so another question I have is regarding, uh, faith leaders also have generally a weird Mm -hmm. schedule. So Sundays aren't their restful days. What are your thoughts and tips for faith leaders, you know, who may be either expected to take their Sabbath on Saturday or Sunday? Um, what are... What are your mm-hmm. tips and tricks? First of all, we really passionately focus in on the work six days <clears throat> and then take a day of rest. <laughs> and and so mm-hmm. whatever rhythm that uh, looks like, you know, and I believe, um, and when I have a chance to talk with elders and church leadership teams that our ministry leaders have to have two days off. We talk about a day off. <laughs> there needs to be mm-hmm. a day of Sabbath rest. And then that day of work around the house of errands of, I need to go to the doctor. And so boy, I mean, that's one of our passions is to help churches catch the vision, um, of really creating that time and space. And man, it's rugged. Like being in, in ministry in a church setting, it's 24 seven, like no tomorrow. Like it's Mm -hmm. right. The needs of the people, you know, we have shepherds hearts. Um, And so, so there's some great strategies. I knew a small church that they, they got a traveling phone and on their pastors, two days off that phone went to um, an elder for those two days and they fielded all calls. And if it was truly like deathbed emergency, um, but they totally released, yeah, like that, the pastors, uh, people did not have the pastor's personal um, cell phone, that there was a church cell that. phone. I love <laughs> like those that. little tweaks. And and we've had the incredible mm-hmm. joy of working with churches um, for years and years and years now. And and 
we learn from them and they learn from us and together we have some best practices that practically how do we make this happen in this time um mm-hmm. and um so it it um I love it. yeah i yeah. love it and and this restorative wellness really is a social innovation <laughs> I believe Mm -hmm. that God is calling us as his people to rise up and be the change and lead the charge. That when Jesus walked this earth, he met people's needs. And one of the most universal, pressing, crushing needs in our world is that um, the level of overload and exhaustion is is killing us. (laughs) Mm. And, And to be honest, so for many leaders, we work mostly with leaders. Um, That's the story. But we also work with people Mm -hmm. who aren't necessarily known for running hard. And they need this message just as much because they may not be working, but they're not rested. (laughs) And if we're not rested, we cannot Mm -hmm. rise up to do the work God has called us to do. And so God, this message um, is, is... so transformative and we have the ability in you know post covid fatigue you know burnout and fatigue among leaders at our, are at all time high um and so we have the ability you know the definition we've really been cap- pa- captured when we were introduced to the idea of a social innovation we were captured by this definition um by the encyclopedia of corporate social responsibility from 2013 a social innovation is a novel solution to a societal problem that is more effective more efficient sustainable and just than any existing solution and the beneficiary is society as a whole rather than a single individual or an organization (laughs) This message of restorative wellness meets, it is effective, it's efficient. Um, Run Hard, Rest Well, one of our core values is we refuse to waste people's time. Like time is precious. <laughs> and so we deliver mm-hmm. this message in a way that only requires a little bit of time. And then what's critical to embed it in our lives is to keep the conversation going. And so we have these strategic mm-hmm. tools that only take 10 minutes in, um, in a Bible study, in a staff leadership, um, um, to keep the conversation going. To um, we, Our inventories mm-hmm. are only take a minute. Um, six true and false questions um, or four simple questions. And that is what creates the change. So it's effective, it's efficient, it's sustainable, um, and it's just. This message, we serve CEOs, we serve denominational executive teams, we serve um, the body of Christ in a church setting, um, global missions, people in recovery, junior high students. And it is the same message with just little tweaks. And so we are constantly praying for people of peace and churches of peace who recognize that this message can be delivered. Um, You know, it's, it's good news for weary souls. And as the Lord opens mm-hmm. doors and we build relationships and legitimately love on people, it opens doors to then share the capital G, capital N, the good news of Jesus. And so our vision is, mm-hmm. is that, that churches rise up, that pastors um, get introduced to this message, um, that there is a breath of fresh air. Um, and you know, we present it in a way <laughs> That, that our desire is that they don't say, oh, one more thing I don't do well. I don't rest well. Like 
It is, mm-hmm. it is a guilt. There's no guilt, yeah. no shame because more is caught than taught. We are simply doing what we've, what, what has been taught, what has been taught to us and what we see everyone else do. There's no shame. So we all stand on the mm-hmm. same place and go, oh, there's something life giving. Um, and so we catch the vision. We bring it to our leadership team. We can bring it to our people. Um, you know, we've, we've made really simple uh, resources that are great for Bible studies, for, for youth groups. We catch the vision. And then as a body of believers, we go, who in our community are some of the most tired people we know? Is it police officers? Is it teachers? Is it nurses? And then as a church, we can help deliver it um, to, to be this mm-hmm. good news. Um, and, and everything that we offer, we offer from a ministry stance and a workplace stance or a community stance. And so it just creates a bridge to better that as God's people, we get to deliver um, a very life-giving that not only impacts individuals, but it trickles into families. You know, our families are are weary, um, and it's it's critical that mm-hmm. children are growing up um, in a way. Yeah, I mean, the mental health crisis of children, young adults, is just frightening. And if we can give them more mm-hmm. tools in their toolkit than simply a screen, <laughs> um, uh, something that will fill their bucket. And so, yeah. that's yeah, yeah that's. Um, yeah. yeah, this the the new adventure that we're on, and it's all about community collaboration. Like, we want to be content specialists, and then equip and train. Like that's that's our job right now. Is we are are training other presenters and training um, coaches because it's it's um, we just want to specialize and then hand it off and equip um, folks to take this message to the people that they love, they serve, they lead. And so that collaboration cross yeah, industry of just people of peace and, you know, the, the church, mm-hmm. um, we love serving churches, um, but we also know that the church capital C is people. And so there are people of peace in every industry and we have a chance. Um, uh, we just got a contact two weeks ago from Space Force. Um, which is the newest branch of the military. <laughs> and they're mm-hmm. going, we need this. And so um, we mm. are working on a proposal and a contract right now with Space Force to bring this message through their chaplains. Um, yeah. And and who am I? I'm a stay-at-home really cool. mom. I've been a stay-at-home mom for 20 years with a bunch of crazy medical needs kiddos. <laughs> <laughs> and and um and I believe it is a work of a miraculous work of God. Um and yeah, that just is so and it's so easy to pass on. It's 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 mm-hmm. yeah, it doesn't need it is truly a movement. Someone's life has changed and they're able to invite someone else to share their story. Yeah, I'm curious because cool. I, I know <clears throat> my old self <laughs> before I got on board with, uh, the message of, of, you know, rest and, and taking care of of myself. Um, busyness is, is such a virtue in our society. And I was definitely, and it's still, it's still in me because when, when we absorb something that's a societal virtue, uh, it's unconscious, right? Like, 
And I remember taking pride. People ask me how I'm doing. Oh, I'm, I'm busy. I'm tired. And I felt proud of that. Um, how do we begin to, to transition away from or, or break that habit of feeling virtuous because we're exhausted and we, we get, you know, we work a 16 hour work day. Yeah. One thing that's critical to that, uh, Matt, is that this message is embraced as a community. To rest well, it has to be a community commitment. And God made that so clear in the command to us and what I call the top 10. Um, when he said, I want you to rest, I want your sons and daughters to rest. I want the people in your household, people visiting you. I even want your animals to rest. <laughs> because if it's not a community commitment, the guilt will eat us alive. And so God mm -hmm. meant from the get-go um, that this is lived out in community um, because then we encourage each other and uh, research and um, theories then speak into that one is called um, tipping point that as we work with a ministry um, a church an organization we help them plot out who are their 25 percent once a new idea takes root in a group and we move the dial to 25 percent cultural change can take place. And so we strategize with leaders and go, who who right now has a natural affinity for this message? Um, and, and then that becomes the core group in that church setting of being intentional about sharing their stories. Um, and, mm -hmm. and then identifying continually, like focusing, who's my next, you know, 10% that we're going to work on. Um, so there's some strategy behind, and uh, I love that science meets the way, you know, there's the, the bell learning curve of new ideas of early adopters, um, a majority. Um, I was working with a large uh, mini, a, a higher a institute of higher education, Christian higher education. They had about 165 people on staff. And, and the leader that I was working with in Running Point was like, boy, Brenda, you know, we've been around for 150 years. We have our fair share of laggards when it comes to new ideas. Like, are you ready for those? How are we going to deal with that? And as we were talking back and forth, he said, we, we call laggards cave people. And I said, hey, enlighten me. What is, what is cave people? Cave people stands for citizens against virtually everything. <laughs> so, you know, it, so we have plenty of those um, in our lives, in our churches. And so, man, we move forward. We pull around us, people who share the vision. We love on those folks. We pray for them, but we don't let them stop us. <laughs> as we move forward. Mm. So community yeah. commitment and keep the conversation going are absolutely <clears throat> um, critical. Mm -hmm. What would you say to the pastor who, uh, or um, church leader, so maybe not pastor, but a on staff with a congregation in some form, uh, they don't yet have total buy-in from board and whatnot, elders, um, that rest is a necessity for them. What advice would you give to that individual? <laughs> if I can be really honest, um, bring us in for 30 minutes or an hour. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and realistically, on, on the website, um, 
on the free resources, there's the six question inventory, um, which is just six true false. Mm-hmm. And it that inventory is like a wake up call. You know, what it gives us is an objective mm-hmm. test of our fatigue, not a subjective. And that's a game changer. Um, it's kind of like the APGAR test mm-hmm. for newborn babies. That was an objective test. That objective test has saved millions. It's credited for saving millions of lives of babies worldwide. In the church, we can utilize this six-question test that becomes this wake-up call and this checkpoint with us. Um, but more than that, man, when we're talking to churches and church leaders, you know, Jesus' final words to us were, go make disciples. You know, and when we really take a look at that, we're functioning in a pretty anemic way. Um, and again, mm-hmm. that's another area where more is taught than caught. You know, we we have made it um, a very heady project that's hard, um, that overwhelms us. I'm not going to say the right things instead of being on a mission to love. And, and the truth mm-hmm. is, um, um, yeah, loving the world, loving um, messy neighbors, messy family members um, who don't know Jesus, <laughs> it takes time. You know, in some ways, programs mm-hmm. are easier, you know, show up on Wednesday night, you know, get there at six, set up, do your program from 630 to eight, clean up and go home and you're done. Loving and investing mm-hmm. in a messy person um, with eyes on loving well and serving boldly and discipling <laughs> to make disciples. And so Run Hard, Rest Well is passionate about um, um, disciple makers and joining hands with churches who say, um, yeah, what's, yeah, what, uh, what are next steps? And we believe that in order to help folks become disciple makers, and there's incredible ministries and resources. We will, that's never going to be our area of expertise, but we like to lay a strong foundation. And that is number one, we have to address, you know, why um, aren't we making disciples? Number one, we're tired. <laughs> we're stretched too thin doing mm-hmm. too many good things that there's not that margin to be that neighbor. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much research around that the more we're time pressured, <laughs> the less really we can be spirit led, um, you know, in our activities. There's some some neat studies on mm-hmm. that, but um, yeah, time pressure just kills us. And so that means that we might have to say no to good things. We have to listen well. Um, you know, we need to be spirit-led and not guilt-driven with our calendar lineup so that there's some breathing room to um, to be available to people. And so we love coming alongside and addressing that fatigue. It's kind of like, like, you know, as God's people, we have this really strong foundation. Um, Jesus is the cornerstone. His word is the foundation. And we're building beautiful things, but so often our foundation has stress fractures. When we really take a look at the health of our relationships, our emotional well-being, our physical, like there's stress fractures everywhere. And so restorative wellness and churches can work together to go, know what, let's help our people build footers. Footers are those three-foot trenches, um, cement trenches around the perimeter of a foundation that protects the foundation from moisture getting up under the foundation, freezing, thawing, and creating cracks. That's why we have potholes in roads. 
Um, and so we need those footers so that God can, that there's just a strength to our foundation to, for God to build in new ways. And those, we, we, is Sabbath sleep, stillness, and solitude. Those restorative rhythms mm-hmm. build a strength in us so that we can explore like, yeah, what does God want to do with us? And so we like laying the foundation of people catching a vision that I don't want to live a distracted life. And sometimes we're distracted by our pain, um, um, by unhealed wounds, by crisis, but sometimes we're distracted by the trivial are distracted by the good. Um, and in that listening then to have marching orders and know how to refuel and recharge. Hmm. Yeah. That's good. I uh, heard an, uh, on another podcast, actually, um, someone said, uh, what is it? Even though it's a good thing, it may yeah. not be a God thing. And so there's a lot of great things happening and that mm. could happen. And, but mm. is it a God yeah. thing? Is that actually what the Lord is calling you to? Or is he calling you Abby, to rest? I like that. <laughs> so. Cool. Well, hey, as we come to, towards the end of our time here, Brenda, uh, where paint me a picture of congregations that have embraced this Paint me a picture of what that looks like uh, as as a message of hope to those out there who might feel like they'll never they'll never get there they'll never be in an environment where this can be a reality. What does it look like? Right. We always say when we're talking to church leaders, um, to pastors, to church workers, that it's me before we. Um, that and the formula of change. gives us, tells us that it's, it's D dissatisfaction times V vision times first step has to be greater than the resistance. Mm -hmm. And so after our talk today, you know, can you assess your, are you dissatisfied? Is there something missing? Something you want more, you know, where are you at? Where's the triage? Um, and, and maybe you're not there yet, you know? Yeah. That's a vision. Does restorative wellness give you a vision for something that God might have for you? And then critical from this podcast is what's that first step? Um, and it's because we, you know, how do we eat a whale one bite at a time? <laughs> and so one step, run mm-hmm. hard, rest well, is passionate about helping people take small steps in the right direction. So as we close this time, here are some simple things to um, help our bodies hit a, a short strategic pause that allows our own bodies to release some calming restorative um, hormones to counteract the um, cortisol. And so in these beautiful days, um, can you go outside and um, for five minutes sit? Can you make a commitment that sometime in this next week, I'm going to sit outside for five minutes. Um, And if weather allows and you can take off your socks and shoes, if your feet are in the grass, your body will release up to 30% more healing restorative hormones. Um, So, um, or can you hum? When we hum, something called the vagus nerve travels from our head um, through our, it lies behind our throat, into our chest cavity, into our abdomen. And when we hum, it triggers that vagus nerve, which causes our body to release calming restorative hormones. And so hum, just your first step. The only thing we're asking you to do is sometime today, hum a song 
or sing. Singing also works. Um, or if you are a dark chocolate lover, you have permission today to stop somewhere and pick up by dark chocolate. Dark chocolate. Yay, Abby is clapping. <laughs> um, dark chocolate at 72% or higher a cocoa bean ratio causes our body to release some calming restorative hormones. Um, and finally, smile. Do you know what? I think I think COVID and masks were hard because we weren't smiling as much. Even if you are not happy, if you smile, um, it, the muscle activation of our faces causes our brains to release calming restorative hormones. And so tomorrow morning, you, you put a note on your mirror tonight um, with a big smiley face. And tomorrow morning, you know, the first person we typically see is probably our own face in the bathroom mirror. So tomorrow, when you turn on the light, you look at yourself, you smile big and say, good morning, beautiful, and give yourself a big smile. <laughs> so um, small steps. What? Um, um, we also, we have a, a book. It's called Vantage Point, um, a new view of um, rest, rhythm, and the work of God. It's it's not so much a how-to, it's a de very devotional. It places us at the feet of Jesus. And so, man, would it be worth picking that up? And sometime in the next four to eight weeks, can you set aside three hours for personal retreat? So often we cannot rest well in our own spaces. Some people can, most people can't. It can be a coffee shop, it can be a library, um, someone else's house, just some new space and, um, and dig in to, um, to, to vantage point, start that journey or Psalm, um, 107. We can take a look at Psalm 107 in a way of, yeah, of how, where God wants to convict us and capture our heart and offer something new. And so first step, um, vision from God Am I dissatisfied? And will all of that be big enough to, to go against the resistance of the guilt, of the cultural norms, of the mm -hmm. expectations, all the unrealistic expectations that we've put on ourselves, that, that possibly church members have put on us to say, Lord Jesus, um, yeah, mm, have your way with my heart. Heal, protect, and give me a, a vision for something new and better. Mm. Excellent. Thank you so much, Brenda. Yeah, thank you. And I'm not the expert on this, obviously, but as you're talking, I'm also thinking, and maybe finding a good therapist to work yes. some of this out with. So, <laughs> I'm always the person who uh, recommends uh, a good therapist. Uh, <laughs> counselors and coaches are amazing. Mm. They really yeah. are. Great. Well, hey, Brenda, we will make sure to post uh, runhardrestwell.org in our show notes uh, so people can find the organization. And would you like us to create a specific link to the uh, six-question test? We can do okay. that as well. All right. That'd be great. Cool. Okay. And are there other places where people can find uh, Run Hard Rest Well and the work that you're doing and social media? Right. So we're on Facebook and um, on Instagram and LinkedIn, and we may or may not be on Twitter. I'm not sure. <laughs> Thankfully, I have okay. a really great team that does all of that stuff. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Well, Brenda, we thank you so much for your time uh, and your insight into this. And I love how uh, how research-based and scientific uh, the methodologies are. 
um, that, that speaks to my heart that this stuff really works. <laughs> so I appreciate that very much. So thank you so much for your time. Uh, Matt and Abby, thank you so much for what you do. Um, run hard, break a sweat every single day because what you do matters and rest well. Rest in a way that honors our Father, that feeds your soul and fuels your very best go. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. That was Brenda Jank of Run Hard, Rest Well, the CEO. Matt, what were your thoughts about the interview? Yeah, some takeaways. I, I loved how she started the interview about asking, are we tired? And that's so... <laughs> To the listeners, we actually record the interview before we do the front and back end. So that's why I started the podcast with asking uh, Abby if she was tired, because uh, I think that's such a critical point that do we self-reflect? Do we pause and do we take the time to pay mm-hmm. attention to whether we're tired or not? And and to be honest, I don't. And even if I do, I just kind of shrug my shoulders and move on because like that's just life. But it, it doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. So that really, really stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, one of the points that stuck out to me uh, was that how fatigue, tiredness um, affects or how it looks in our congregations. Mm -hmm. So she talked about like, we're all distracted with one, our own like inner turmoils to our own busyness. So there's an internal element to it and then there's an external Mm -hmm. element of like the things that we are uh, like physically doing that are creating tiredness and then also i'm sure mental fatigue she would add in there so um there's like three different levels too often i think about the schedule of things and not often enough do i think about the mental fatigue and the emotional fatigue that i might be experiencing Mm, yeah yeah, and I really appreciated how what she was discussing sounds like it's very research-based because she was definitely talking about uh, the chemical makeup of the human body, that when you have high levels of cortisol, mm-hmm. which is known commonly as the stress hormone, and, and the ways in which we reduce that. So there are, you know, it's not just that, it's not just a soul or spirit thing. It genuinely is a physical thing that impacts it. So, you know, rather than separating mm-hmm. the, the human human experience into physical, mental spiritual, emotional, which granted those are somewhat separate, but they are also an integrated whole and paying attention to one aspect of it mm-hmm. is helping pay attention to the other aspects of it as well. Mm-hmm. Along those lines, she was talking about uh, ways to lower cortisol levels and um, boost the happy hormone, which whatever that is, I I am not the researcher <laughs> on this or the, the knowledgeable one. You're not one. a neuroscientist? Come um, on. No, no, I am not. Far from it. Um, but uh, the simple things like I uh, like humming. Mm-hmm. I've I've kept that in mind. Like humming or singing a tune uh, will boost those happy hormones. And then what was the other one she she shared about um, smiling? Mm-hmm. Like if you just smile, it will boost the happy hormones. And I'm like, there's little hacks we can take advantage of in our day to day that'll help us, even though they may not be the fix, they're little hacks. And I love a Mm -hmm. good hack. My old self would have said that they, they sound goofy and like, you know, just turn that frown upside down, big guy, you know, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. the idea of positive psychology was coined by Martin Seligman, who was at one point president of the American Psychological Association 
And I had a friend that I used to work with that got into positive psychology. And at, at the beginning of it, it's like, oh, you're doing your master's in positive psychology. Just think happy thoughts. Like we thought that's what it was. But it's this heavily researched, research-based area of psychology that is looking at, okay, psychology has tended to focus on the problems that people have, which is, is good. I mean, it's something we need to focus on. But what about, what about when someone is not in crisis or having problems? What aspect of psychology can we use to increase contentedness and happiness with life. And so this whole field of positive mm-hmm. psychology was was created. And there's, an, uh, there's a simple exercise I remember him talking about that at the end of the day, if you reflect on and even write down three things that you're thankful for, um, there's actually research, there's evidence that it changes the way that you view the world and you view it in a more positive light. And again, this is not just a think mm-hmm. happy thoughts kind of thing, but a genuine practice. It has yielded positive results in in the world of psychology. And so paying attention to these small things, while it may seem frivolous or even even kind of childish, I guess some people might say, there's real research that shows that these things actually help. And so finding the the discipline in ourselves to pay attention to some of these things and use them because it genuinely improves the quality of life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think of the mental and emotional uh, load that pastors specifically carry in congregations. Mm-hmm. You know, it may be that they're sitting in an office all day talking with individuals or just doing, uh, you know, planning meetings, things like that. There is still a, a heavy uh, mental and emotional lo- load that they carry. And I think... First, acknowledging that and creating space and a lifestyle that that allows pastors to carry that well. We can take all the help we can mm-hmm. get, right? <laughs> we live in such a packed society, um, whether that's a mental load, a physical load, a spiritual load. We live in a society that our lives are just packed. So that is what I have appreciated about Brenda Jenks' work. Um, it acknowledges the whole person. It's practical in that it gives us in the moment things we can do and talks about, okay, what kind of rhythms do we need to set mm-hmm. up? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's another thing that I wanted to bring up about the interview is just uh, some of the practical safeguards. Like she talked about the congregation with the traveling phone and it's, uh, it, you know, what are the what are the small things that can change the way that we relate to our responsibilities um, I personally don't keep my work email on my cell phone. I just don't do it because I don't want to see a notification that says on Saturday that I've got 14 emails waiting for me. Um, cause it just, okay, you know, normally I would be able to ignore it, but sometimes it might trip me into checking it. And then there's a problem. And then I start thinking about that problem. Like that's not, that's, this is my, you know, this is my rest. I shouldn't have to worry about that. So, but both, individually and corporately, what are those practical safeguards that we can put in place to protect ourselves, protect clergy members, protect lay leadership, um, protect us all from keeping in that busy framework and, and kind of perpetuating the myth that we always need to be on call. Like we don't, and we can't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As clergy leaders, I think it's easy to believe that it is our responsibility to be on call at all hours Mm -hmm. because that's the nature of the job and that's our calling. Um, But sometimes we need reminded that, you know what, boundaries are okay. Mm -hmm. Taking care of ourselves 
is okay. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that's what you're speaking to of, uh, of the cell phone, handing off the cell phone to a, a congregant lay leader so that they're the ones in charge for a day, so that uh, two days, so that the pastor can actually take a mm-hmm. break. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I've also thought about, you know, what does it look like to create an emphasis on rest as part of the liturgy of your congregation? And, and, you know, using liturgy broadly that I don't mean like high church liturgy versus low church. Well, I just mean, you know, the, the ways in which your congregation functions and the way that you put your, your worship experiences together or your sacred gatherings together. How do we, how do we inject into that rhythms that focus on rest, that focus on Sabbath, that as she mentioned, you know, sleep, Sabbath, stillness, and solitude were the four for methods of rest that she talked about and what are ways that we can weave that into the liturgies of our congregations because I think that the the shape of our liturgies should impact the shape of our lives that liturgy should be a, a creative storytelling method that that tells us how we are to be in the world and as we talk about this, you know, one of the key aspects is rest. And if we're taking, you know, whether you're from the, the Jewish tradition or the Christian tradition, looking at the creation story, God clearly took Sabbath rest very seriously because it's right there mm-hmm. at the beginning. So there. So rest, darn it. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, hey, let's turn our attention to some resources around the idea of rest. Do you have one prepared? You do not. I can see by the look on I your never, face. <laughs> I never remember to do sure. this, but I have some. That's okay. I'll kick it off. So, yeah, you okay. go first. So one of the things that I found uh, was, and this is one that the Center for Congregations has been aware of for a while now. It's called Increasing Wholeness, Jewish Wisdom and Guided Meditations to Strengthen and Calm Body, Heart, Mind, and Spirit. And so as the title suggests, it does come from the Jewish tradition, but I think that it has value also uh, in other faith traditions. And as I looked at the layout of the book and the chapters, um, there's just really good information about uh, our body, our heart, our mind, our spirit. Uh, And then it also talks about hand, the power of touch, inner peace. So the sections are broken down into the different aspects of who we are as human beings. Um, so this one looks like a really good read that either, you know, something for you to do yourself, uh, maybe something to get for your congregational leadership or even your whole congregation. I think this could be an interesting book. So we will, as always, we'll include our link. We'll include links to these resources in the show notes. Uh, so Abby, what did you find? I have a couple. Cool. The first one is, um, I'm going to refer to a website. It's ruthhaleybarton.com. And on that website, she has a podcast. It's called Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership. And she talks about various elements of uh, leadership in the podcast, but she does touch a lot on um, rest, silence, and solitude. She also has a number of books about um, those very topics. I have read... Say, I have read Sacred Rhythms, and uh, that that talks a good bit about um, 
Solitude and Silence, but also there's one called Invitation to Solitude and Silence, and that's also a good book on the topic. So if you're a a Christian leader, these would be great resources for you. I also think of Kirk Byron Jones, and he has written a number of books related to the topic. One that I have read, I read in seminary, and I draw from every once in a while yet is called Addicted to Hurry. And it talks about our culture and what what uh, creates the addictions that we have to hurrying and busyness. And so it, it's really, it takes a deeper look at what's dry, what's our driving force? Why are we running so hard all the time? Are we running from something? Are we running to something? Um, anyway, he just, he has a number of resources that are great. Again, that's Kirk Byron Jones and Addicted to Hurry is the book that I have read from him on the subject. Yeah, he has another great book called Fulfilled, uh, Leading from Stillness, Awareness, and Playfulness. Um, he's just, <laughs> we we love him here. <laughs> we do. We've had a pl- we love Kirk Byron yeah, Jones. We've had a plenty of opportunity to interact with him, and he just has such a calm spirit. And I think it's because it comes from mm-hmm. him actually practicing what he preaches, literally. <laughs> and so, mm-hmm. yeah, we, we, really, mm-hmm. we really appreciate him and his work. Yeah, yeah. I love the the people who this is their message because they come with that presence to any interview they're doing. Mm-hmm. And so at least of my experience. So it's always a, it's always refreshing to be in their presence because it's like, ah, oh, okay. Yep. Some peace and rest. They make you feel calm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, we'll also add to the show notes. I will add the book written by Mark, Martin Seligman about positive psychology. Since I mentioned that, we'll put that in as a resource. And uh, we'll also put in the link for Run Hard, Rest Well as an organization. Their organization does consulting work uh, with congregations and even with businesses. So even if you are a leader who is has a foot in the business world and you're interested in the idea of running hard and resting well in, in the in the business or corporate space, uh, they also have specific workshops and information for that as well. Uh, further, we will be having Brenda in at the beginning of 2024 as a workshop presenter for our online events. Uh, so January 25th of 2024 at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time and January 30th, 2024 at noon Eastern Time. Uh, you can check out our website, centerforcongregations.org and register for those events there. If you're hearing this podcast after those dates, we will have the recording of those events posted as well on our website. For these and other resources, please check out the CRG, T-H-E-C-R-G.org. That stands for Congregational Resource Guide. This is a list of or a database of about 2,000 resources that uh, Center for Congregation staff, we have had our eyes on each and every one, have written up what we hope will be helpful descriptions of what the, what the resources are and how they might be used in your congregation. So check out T-H-E-C-R-G.org. And uh, you can look up information about, about Sabbath, about restfulness, or really any other topic related to congregational life. Follow us wherever you listen, whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or somewhere else. And make sure wherever you do listen to please rate and review us. It's one of the best ways for other people to be able to find this information. You've probably heard about algorithms. <laughs> Those are ways that uh, people are finding podcasts and information. So the more ratings and reviews we get, 
uh, the higher we get in recognition in those areas, and we would love for other people to be able to find this work. This is the thing. We want to hear from you. So feel free to send us a, an email at podcast at centerforcongregations.org. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at centerforcongregations.org. We would be remiss if we didn't thank the Lilly Endowment for their generous support of the Center for Congregations and of this podcast. So thank you very much to the Lilly Endowment. This episode was edited by Jaden. He's the man behind the scenes making us sound good. All right, and we also want to do our geographical shout-out, so let's take a look at the map, and we want to say hello to the listeners in Fort Pierce, Florida. Fort Pierce, Florida. Uh, It's January in Fort Wayne, so a shout-out to another fort that's probably a lot warmer than where we are right now. (laughs) So thank you, Fort Pierce. Lucky dad. Thank you to the listeners in Fort Pierce, Florida. All right, well, that'll do it for this episode of the Center for Congregations podcast. I'm Matt Burke. And I'm Abby Miller. Talk to you soon.